Hey everyone, I hope you're well. Before we get going with episode 200 of High Performance, I've got some news and it's some news that I'm so excited to share. We are launching the High Performance app and right now we are giving you early access as a thank you for listening to this podcast. So I guess really the app is the new home of high performance. Not only is it free, but it will go even deeper. It will get you even closer to your own version of high performance. There will be exclusive content. There will be unique features such as a daily high performance boost so that every single day, whenever you want it, you can get a nugget of inspiration or education from the high performance podcast. There's loads more still to come as well. But right now, you can download the app, you can get access, and we're going to start by giving you something really special and really unique. So after our conversation with Dan Carter that you're about to hear, we did a live Q&A with our audience in the theatre at the Hackney Empire, and that is available right now on the High Performance app. Look, the whole point of creating this podcast was to get you closer to your own version of High Performance, and I honestly believe the app, for free, for you, is the best way to do it. So all you need to do right now is either click the link in the description to this podcast or go to where you download your apps, download the app High Performance and use your unique code HPAPP. That's all one word, H-P-A-P-P, for early access to our brand new app. And keep your eye on it because there are some really exciting updates to come. Hi there, you're listening to High Performance, the award-winning podcast that unlocks the minds of some of the most fascinating people on the planet. I'm Jake Humphrey, and alongside Professor Damien Hughes, we learn from the stories, successes and struggles of our guests, allowing us all to explore, to be challenged and to grow. Here's what's coming up today. You forget to be thankful for all the things that you've got. And often you find yourself complaining at all the things you, you don't have and, and wish you had. And so every night uh, in, in my book, I'll write three, three things that I'm, I'm grateful for. You know, that's a really you know, powerful tool that I've had to continue um, in this, this life after rugby. If I don't have that structure in my life, I, I just cruise and, and drift through life. And, and that's, that's not high performance and it's not where I've come from. It's not where I want to, to go in, in the future. I asked the the doctor, is my World Cup over? And she said, yes. And I burst into tears, um, went back to the hotel room. I was angry, I was sad, I was... And I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason. But in that moment, around this time, nothing made sense at all. To be involved in the Rugby World Cup final helped the team make history by being the first team to win back-to-back World Cups be the first All Black side to, to win a World Cup outside of, of New Zealand. A lot of that was, was off the, the learnings that I got from, from that injury there. So all of a sudden, what I believed, things do happen for a reason. That that, that was just you know part of the part of the story. So welcome, my friends, to episode two hundred of High Performance. I mean, I can't actually believe that we've reached two hundred episodes. In that time, we've managed fifty million downloads of the podcast across podcast platforms, uh, tens of millions of views on our YouTube channel as well. And before we get into the episode, I really just want to take this moment to acknowledge all of you, the people who've been with us on this journey, the people who are part of the high performance community, the people who understand what we're trying to do with this podcast, the people who've shared the lessons and the learnings that they've taken from this. And yeah, I know that, you know, we've got senior politicians around the world and people running and 
competing for and managing some of the biggest sports teams on the planet listening to this podcast. But actually, it's people like you, people who are just getting on with their lives every single day with good days, with bad days, with struggles, with doubts, with imposter syndrome, with fears. You are the people that we've created this podcast for. And honestly, to get the messages that we get from you makes the world a difference to us. So welcome to episode 200. And what we've decided to do is revisit one of the greatest guests that's ever joined us on High Performance. So we first spoke to this man, Dan Carter, one of the greatest rugby players of his generation, a true all-black legend a couple of years ago. And then we thought, we need to do this again because we've never had an episode with more downloads, more reaction, uh, more comments from all of you. So we got Dan in London on the stage at the Hackney Empire in front of 1,200 people and we just spoke about the power of leadership. He's just recently written a book about it and we delve into some of the key points that are in that book. Um, you're going to love this conversation. So let's just get straight to it. Episode 200 of High Performance. Thank you for your incredible support on behalf of myself, Damien and the whole team for getting us to this point. The most exciting thing is I think we're only just beginning. Let's get to it then. And by the way, the crowd at the Hackney Empire were incredible. Listen how loud the crowd were when we introduced our guest onto stage. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, a hero, a legend, a leader. Please welcome to the Hackney Empire, live on stage, Dan Carter. Thank you. That's uh, quite quite the welcoming. So appreciate it. It's great to be here in, in person. You know, we were locked up in New Zealand for far too long, and obviously enjoyed uh, speaking with the two of you. I think it was eighteen months ago, and the most downloads. I've, I've got a wee confession. Um, my mother supports me in everything that I do, and she's probably listened to that episode about twenty thousand times. So the majority <laughs> of those downloads were, were my mother. So it's probably not a true reflection of actually how good that episode was. 
Thank you so much, Mrs. Carter, for the support you've given your son. Um, well, let's talk then about you know, the first time that you came on the High Performance Podcast. You know, we always start with the question, and you know what the question is. What is your definition of high performance? I've got your first answer here. You said, I absolutely love the word high performance. It just takes me back to my career. And for me, it's all about controlling your mind. So that was November 2021. We're now here quite a lot later. How has that changed? And and through that time from from since we spoke last time, I just started working on on the book uh, that you've all received tonight. And my answer now is it's I guess it's a little bit more sort of well rounded. And my answer, and it's something I thought about because I knew you're going to probe the question. And actually, I thought, well, I better listen uh, to our last episode. And with four young kids at home, I don't often get a chance to listen to podcasts at home. So I I listen to the old podcast when I'm driving in the car. So a couple of weeks ago, when I knew I was coming back on the show, I thought, right, I better listen to the old episode that we did just to make sure I'm not repeating uh, the same old stories. Anyway, I was, I was going to play uh, around a golf about an hour and a half north of Auckland, uh, which is where I live now. And I was like, right, actually, I'm going to listen to my my podcast, you know, learnings around dealing with pressure, controlling your mind. This is going to be great for my golf game. I think it's probably one of the best golf games that I'm ever going to have, listening to myself. And don't get me wrong, I hate the sound of my own voice. So it was, it was awful listening to that episode. You know, I got up on the, on the first tee and just shanked it. <laughs> I hit it 10 metres in front of me, but it's all right because I know about dealing with resilience. I can bounce back from this. Uh, I'm strong. I take all these learnings from, from the setbacks that I had in my career to overcome that first shot. 18 holes later, I had the worst round of golf that I've ever, ever played in my life. I'm a 15 handicapper, normally shoot sort of low 90s. I shot 105. <laughs> Get to the end of the round of my mates that I played with going, gee, what happened there? What happened with, with your game today? And I was like, shit, do I tell them? <laughs> do I tell them that I listened to my own podcast and <laughs> thought that I was going to have the round of my life? And I was like, bugger it, I'm going to tell them. You know what the problem was? I listened to my own podcast and they fell to the floor, started just cracking up, uh, laughing. So I'm not really selling my book here. So I've got to be careful. <laughs> I've I, I got to be careful what I, what I say. But through that, I, I, it reminded me of, of what, I, what I mentioned, what she just read out around, you know, your mental strength, and that's an important part of, of high performance. But I don't think that it's only that. That's just a part of it. You know, so for me, high performance now is is working at a level that elevates you to be the best you possibly can be through living, learning, growing, either individually or or as a team. To seek excellence in, in everything that you're trying to achieve. Um, and things that you, you really care about. So I guess my answer now, it's a little bit uh, sort of more general than focusing on, on, on your mind, um, but still, still a question I love coming back to. I think it's great, though, that your definition has changed because it signifies growth, right? And that's what we talk about an awful lot on the High Performance Podcast. And the whole point of the book that you've written is to enable others to grow. So what we thought we would do is, you've got kind of the 10 key lessons for life. Would you be happy if we just delved into a few of those and just sort of prodded and probed at some that we think are really especially interesting in the book? Absolutely. And it was a great process and a process that I, I shared with the, the publishers today. And we realized we've been working on that for, for two years. And to finally see the book all come together, and I only saw it for the first time on Monday, so it's it's all pretty fresh and new, but just to see it 
come to life. And, and I just want to point out that I'm no expert. I'm not trying to tell CEOs of businesses you need to be doing this. I'm not telling you if you do this, you'll guarantee success. All I'm trying to share is, is some of the learnings and some of the knowledge that I learned from you know, playing what well, I think is the best sport in the world, uh, rugby for, for close to 20 years. And a lot of people ask me, well, what are you most proud about throughout your career? And I immediately think of the five-year-old boy I was when I, I had role models, all blacks that I looked up to. They encouraged me to, to go out there and, and live my dreams. Um, and I was lucky, one of the lucky ones that was able to, to live my dream of, of becoming an all black. So when I had a chance to reflect on my career, which is something you don't get to do when you're playing, but you know, having hung up the boots, I had a chance to, to look back and what was I most proud about? And it wasn't the, the two World Cups um, that we won. It wasn't the three World Rugby Player of the Year awards. It was actually, I felt like I was able to inspire the next generation uh, of kids, rugby players, to be able to to go out there and, and live their dreams just like I was as a kid. So all of a sudden I had this passion of wanting to to give back. And that was the the foundation of this book. It's not telling you need to do this, but actually here's, here's some information that I learned through being involved in one of the best uh, cultures in sport with the All Blacks and, and playing in, in lots of different parts of the world as well. So it's basically it's just me sharing uh, some of the experiences and, and knowledge that, that I learned uh, throughout my career and if there is something to to help you with you know navigating change or if there's something to help you be the best version of, of yourself then you know i feel like the the book has, has done its job nice well the book itself dan having read it is brilliant so i'll sell it for you so you don't have to do it yourself but one of the chapters that really resonated was the chapter on purpose or what you describe as repurposing your life would you tell us a little bit about that and why it's so important yeah i spoke a lot on, on purpose last time we talked about and for me you know i lived my dream of being an all black but that wasn't enough i needed something bigger than that and i just didn't want to be an all black i wanted to strive to be an all black great and it's not something that i get to the end of my career and go yep i was an all black great it's uh if you're in that conversation it means you had a, a pretty good pretty good career so that was that was my purpose and that's what was driving me every morning I got out of bed. How can I strive to be an all-black great? So I had real direction, real clarity with, with what I wanted to, to achieve. But unfortunately, you can't play sport forever. And I'd been hiding from retirement, you know, signing new contracts, coming back from injuries, finding new ways to, to avoid uh, finishing because there was a real fear of what's next. Um, that day came uh, through the pandemic um, where I was playing rugby in Japan. My family were living in New Zealand. I raced back before the borders closed and they ended up cancelling the Japanese season. I knew that was going to be my last my last season. And I walk into my son's room uh, and my second uh, son, Fox, he was only five at the time. He was like, what's wrong, daddy? You look upset. And I had some real anger because they cancelled the season. I wasn't able to finish my career on, on my terms. And I was expecting him to say, oh, bad luck. You know, it's a shame. Uh, you know, you, you can't go back to, to Japan and, and finish the season. But he, so he goes, so you're not going back to Japan? And I was like, no. 
He goes, oh, that's the best news I've ever heard. He gave me a big hug. And I was like, wow, okay. They just put everything into perspective. And and the, that's the same year I finished my career. And when something you've put your heart and soul into for close to 20 years finishes, then you're trying to navigate change. And for me, there was a a real loss of identity. Who am I now that I'm not a rugby player? And it happens with a lot of sports people. And now I've learned through talking to business people as well that they experience the same. They just, they need change. And so that navigation of, of change was a really challenging thing for me, but I had some incredible learnings. I spoke to some of my former teammates that had gone through that change. I talked to some business people that have navigated change and I was, I was just kind of learning as I was going. I was like, I need to document this to be able to to help other people that are going through a similar situation to what I'm going through. And I ended up uh, meeting a guy called Kevin Roberts who had worked with, with individuals, businesses, uh, sporting teams around repurposing. And it was quite sort of confrontational. Um, he was really challenging me, and he made me look within, deeper than I've ever looked within before. What are my characters? What are my beliefs? What are things that I'll never do? Uh, what are things I want to take from my previous life as a rugby player that I want to take into this next chapter of my life? And all of a sudden, I had some some framework. But it was a really valuable process for me to to go through this repurposing process uh, with Kevin it just gave me some framework and, and some direction to, to, to you know to walk towards so one of the questions Kevin asked you that you write about in the book is he challenges you to be both a poet and a plumber which is a really interesting evocative phrase what did he mean by that yeah so there was actually um yeah Reed Hoffman who, who talked a lot about that and I was lucky enough to, to interview him and, and he was talking about it, the strategy of the poet and the, and the plumber and, and needing both of those systems to, to, to be in sync. You know, two completely sort of um, roles and your plumbers and, and your poets, but working um, together to, to making sure that, you know, you're, you're striving to, to be successful and everything's running smoothly uh, within uh, a team environment. And then you spoke about when in that same chapter, when you attempted to take to be the plumber of introducing high performance as a homeschooling parent, yeah, I had a bit of a shocker there. Um, <laughs> so I'd come from Japan, you know, and, and I have pride myself on you know world leading standards and values, and everything I do has to has to be at a world class level. So when we got put into lockdown and the children came home from school, I saw that as a challenge. I was like, right. If we're homeschooling, we're going to be the best homeschooler in the world. We're getting out of bed. We're having a really nutritious breakfast because I need that brain functioning for, for homeschooling. Then we're nine o'clock, we're doing maths. 9.30, we're moving into our reading. Right, you can go outside, have a break, go play some football. Coming back in at 10.30, we're going to start some writing. And I had this itinerary for them, and it was like I was running a, a military get to the end of the day my wife looks at me and goes what the hell are you doing they're kids and they're at home and I just didn't quite read the situation as well and um, taking my rugby learnings to to homeschooling was an absolute shocker and I can assure you we didn't go back to to Dan Carter's um, homeschooling process uh, after that that day so it was a a bit of a shocker on on my behalf uh, forgetting that they're actually just just young kids, and we've all got those uh, those stories about homeschooling. Uh, so that was one I didn't really execute that well. 
It's this conversation about purpose though is interesting when it comes to you know your family because when you're an all black right the purpose is very clear like you enter a world cup you want to win the world cup so everyone knows that what advice would you give you know people here in the theater or people listening to this where they're looking for their purpose but they live now as you do in a kind of family dynamic where your partner might be thinking something totally different or your kids might be at all different ages and there's kinds of there's challenges in the real world if you like that just don't exist in the world of professional sport yeah the professional sport is it's a beautiful place because you can be so structured and disciplined and and have things that you're striving for something I, I learned uh, around sort of my personal purpose in particular was it's it wasn't about winning a world cup that's not purpose that's a goal that, that you're setting and trying to achieve purpose needs to be something far greater something that you're aspiring to walk towards but you never actually uh, achieve it um, so going through this repurposing and I'm still trying to find what it is but one thing I, I learned through having a really clear purpose is I was able to have impact in, in the sport that I was playing and that's the one thing that I mentioned before that I'm really proud about so now when I'm thinking about what is my purpose in life now that rugby's gone what impact am I wanting to, to leave on, on this world and you know there's different impacts that you can leave whether it's environmental social uh, economical something that I really care about is, is giving back so that that social impact has sort of helped me navigate what is next so I'm wanting to start giving back to to people hence writing a book set up my own charity to, to give back to, to underprivileged children I do some mentoring work with with young athletes so that's that's part of the journey I'm walking towards um, at this next chapter of my life, but it is so much harder um, when you're not in this, you know, little environment like a, a sporting team. So, so what is it now then? Like, you, can you sum your purpose up in a sentence? To be globally admired in, in the art of winning. So everything that, that, that I do, it's, and it's not something I, I'll achieve, but it's something I'm work, walking towards and, and wanting to uh, to make a difference um, with with everything that I do. But then within that, you need structure. How does that look? So, you know, I'm constantly setting goals for myself each week. I'm, I'm making sure that I do what I say I'm going to do. I'm very organized, very planned, making sure I have balance and it's not all work focused, that I'm in this amazing transition of being able to spend a lot more time with my family, have flexibility. So I'm still navigating um, navigating that, that purpose and, and growing it. But it's... It is a challenging thing, and you know, if you're sitting there going, "Geez, well, what is my purpose?" You know, it's quite a confrontational, challenging, tough question. And what I had to do is I had to sort of look within of who I am. I even started to look back at, you know, my parents and 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 their ancestors of where we came from, um, the little town that I grew up in, a local uh, river, a lake. That, that that's who I am as a person. And once you sort of figure out who you are as a person, then you look at things that you're good at and things that you really care about. And that sort of helps uh, navigate you to, to what's what's next in your, in your life. And when you do become a lot clearer of what your purpose is, I just know that the direction that gives you is, you know, it really does help you um, go, to, go to that next level and, and elevate you to, to achieve things that you never thought you'd achieve. Which touches on one of the other chapters of the book, which is a fascinating phrase, waka papa, 
which is about delving back into your own family history and your origins to understand the characteristics that you can take into the next chapter of your life. Would you tell us a little bit more about that, Dan? Yeah, it's, it's a big part of uh, the New Zealand Māori heritage uh, in New Zealand. It's whakapapa, so looking back at, at your ancestors, uh, you know, where you've come from. And we did that with, with the All Blacks. So we'd constantly look back at the people that had gone before us, the incredible teams that had played before us, the, the amazing history of the All Blacks. You know, there were some teams like the 1905 All Black Originals, the 1924 All Black Invincibles, the World Cup winning 1987 teams. In order to move forward, you need to look back and take inspiration and motivation from from where you've come from. And, that, and that's what we did in the All Blacks. And, and then once you realise that and you understand where you've come from, then you can walk forward and... That's what we, we used to do in the All Blacks. We had this phrase of that All Black jersey that you receive. It's not yours. Um, you're just a custodian of that jersey. And your sole mission within the All Blacks is to enhance the legacy, enhance the foundations that have gone before you. So when you've got an entire squad giving everything that they've got to enhance the legacy, you know they're putting their body on the line. They're working hard. They're saying yes to, to multiple things. They're going above and beyond because when you give that jersey back, you need to know that you have left the jersey in a better place than, than what you got before it. So I'm interested then, when you look back, what is the one thing you found out about your family history that really made you take a step back or that you'd like to share with us? And how did that inform the way that you behave, act, think and move forwards today? Yeah, I've got some Irish ancestry. Excellent. Uh, which... Uh, <laughs> Irish are in the house. Which, which, I, which I learned, number one team in the world at the moment too. It's a bit of a worry. But I think that the biggest learning that I got, it just reminded me of where I came from. Um, what did that do for you then? It, it really helped me with my decision making, um, but more importantly, helped me keep my feet on the ground. I'm, all of a sudden I've finished playing, I've got all these incredible opportunities in, in front of me and the temptation to to say yes to multiple things and get involved in stuff that I don't really care about. It just, it reminded me of a really important value in the All Blacks is, is humility. And it just, it does, it brings you you back down to earth. And, and I remember sort of Tyson Fury talking about after, you know, every big fight that he has, you know, he celebrates that success and then he goes back to his, his hometown. And that's Harry Grounds himself. And it was a similar process for me. So you're having success in your life and you're achieving new things and doing great things. But I always felt like I just need to return to, to my roots, my, my grassroots. And it just makes me really proud of, of who I am. And it centers me um, as a person. And it just gives me the confidence to go, right, I'm, I'm going to make you know, my family proud. I'm going to continue the legacy that, that they've set up for me. They gave me so much as a child. So now it's it's me to to enhance the, the legacy of, of, of my family. Would you mind sharing with us the the ways that you make the decision about who is in your circle or who you hang out with? I mean, it's something that people struggle with often. Um, not just who to hang out with, but also how you make a decision who not to spend time with. You want people in, in your inner circle that are prepared to challenge you. Um, so, you know, if you, you know, you're not behaving properly or you're, 
thinking you're a, a bit better than you actually are. You know, the guys, your friends that will tap you on the shoulder, say, come on, like this is this is not true to who you are, not true to, um, you know, the person that, that I think you are. So family are great people to have um, because they won't, they won't bullshit you. Um, and then being really strategic with your friends. And that's probably the hardest, hardest thing of like working out who they are. But I, I know that the friends that I had before I started playing professional rugby, they're obviously proud of the success I had, but they know me as, as Dan Carter, not Dan Carter, the rugby player. So, you know, they're the other ones that will help you keep, keep grounded, keep, keep down to earth and, and challenge you. So, you know, it's really important having, you know, people like that in, in your group. So can you give us an example, Dan, because you also talk in the book that your success wasn't this linear straight line. You you had setbacks, you had moments where you disappointed yourself. Was there ever an occasion that you can share with us when one of these people in your inner circle gave you the tap on the shoulder and gave you a bit of feedback that resonated? We had incredible leaders in the All Blacks and you know we had this this real culture of no individual is, is greater than the team. So all your decisions that you made had to make sure that you're putting the team first. But we're all human. We, we all make mistakes. We all do things that we regret. Um, and I made one of those pretty early in my career where um, we flew to, to Wales um, and we drank far too much and we decided to keep the party going and jumped in a cab and, and cab to uh, to London. Um, there was a... <laughs> There was a there was there was a place um, in London called the Church that used to open on uh, Sunday, so we're trying to get to the church. So it was about ten o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning, and we suddenly sobered up and realised what the hell we're doing in London when we've got a game in a week in in Cardiff. <laughs> so we raced back, um, and we got obviously caught out. And like this, this environment, you know, it, it doesn't accept um, you know poor decisions like that. We weren't thinking of the team of putting the team first. So you expect, okay, I'm going to get a bit of a drilling here from the coaches and, and manager. And Tana Rumanga was, was our, our captain at the time. So we had a, a team meeting to work out how we're going to punish the five of us that decided it was a good idea to jump in a taxi. And what Tana did is, is he, he told the coaches and the management to leave the meeting. He wanted to deal with the players himself. And... He really drilled us, and it meant so much more coming from your peer than a coach. And it was just an amazing example of his leadership. And I can assure you, just you didn't want to let the team down again. I felt like I'd let the team down. I felt like I'd let my family and friends down. It was one of the most challenging weeks of of my rugby career, and because my mind started sort of thinking, and I was just burning all this energy thinking about what I'd done and who I'd hurt and I affected. I was like, man, I've got, a, I've got a test match coming up. So that was actually the first time I knocked on the door of the, the, the psychologist, uh, Gilbert Anoka, the team psychologist. I was like, I need help. I can't focus uh, on the game. I'm just burning energy. I don't want to train. I don't want to play. And back then, you know, I've been playing for the All Blacks for three years that – if you're spending one-on-one -on -one time with a psychologist, your teammates think you're a bit of a wacko and something's wrong with you. <laughs> um, it was It's amazing because at the end of your career, if you're not seeing a psychologist, your teammates are going, well, why not? You want to be the best you know, player in the world. So, you, so everyone was seeing the, the psychologist. But early in my career 20 years ago, you didn't want to be seen spending time with a psychologist. Um, 
So what he did is, is he really helped me um, focus on on the here and now to stop my mind from drifting. So what he did is he made me write out a 24-hour plan and put in every single hour what I need to do every single hour of that day. Wake up at this time, breakfast at this time, stretch at this time. So when I found my mind drifting on the mistake that I'd made and the people that I'd hurt, and he'd t- tell me just whack yourself on the leg and go back to your plan and make sure that you're living in the here and now and you're, you're controlling your mind and you're not burning unnecessary energy on, on things you can't control. So we got through 24 hours, we met again, we reviewed what times were hard, what were difficult, what went well, what didn't go so well, and then we'd do another 24 hours. And it just really taught me about controlling my mind, living in the moment, focusing on the, on the process, what I need to do in the here and now. And from that moment, I used uh, Gilbert and the psychologist almost uh, every week to help me uh, prepare the best I possibly could. I went on to have a fantastic game, uh, scored the most points that an All Black has ever scored against Wales in that game, and, and a lot of it was off the back of not the mistake and the piss-up, I can assure you that, but actually like learning to control my mind yeah, yeah. and it was one of the you know first times that I'd spent time with with a psychologist on a, on a one-on-one basis and the growth that I got from that was incredible today's podcast is brought to you in association with AG1 and it is one of my non-negotiables one of the things that um, I make sure that every single day I bring into my life so basically let me just explain very quickly AG1 is an all-in-one multivitamin it has all of the nutrients it has all of the goodness that I think my body needs in any given day I know there's loads of different supplements out there trust me I've tried most of them I ended up taking about nine or ten different tablets at one point but what I love about AG1 is that it's over 70 high quality vitamins probiotics whole food sourced ingredients and it's a kind of 10 second part of my daily routine that makes a day-long difference to my life. So I grab the powder, I put it in a shaker, put a bit of water in, shake it, drink it, and that's me done. And I promise you, when I'm not taking AG1, I notice the difference. I'd love you to give it a go. And if you're looking for a simple, effective investment for your health, try AG1. Honestly, it is incredible. Me, my wife, a lot of my friends, we all swear by it. And I've got an offer for you. You can get five free AG1 travel packs and a free whole year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. If you want to take advantage of that offer, just go to drinkag1.com forward slash high performance. That's drinkag1.com forward slash high performance. It's been a game changer for me. It just might be for you. Check it out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But there's a great lesson in that, isn't there? That you were sort of dealt with this large dose of humility because you made a mistake and we go through life trying to avoid making mistakes but the truth is that without that mistake the resulting learning never happens and humility is a really interesting chapter in the book it is one of the 10 lessons when I say humility what do you think of I merely think of making sure that you're constantly thankful for everything that that's happening around you and, and the life that you live, you know, far too often we, we take things for granted, um, especially, you know, in, in the sporting uh, level. And, you know, when you're playing at the highest level, playing internationally, you, you know, you expect to get free stuff. You know, you expect there to be free food in the, in the changing room. You know, you, you expect to have the best coaches and, and you can get just a little bit ahead of yourself and, and you forget to be thankful for all the things that you've got. And often you find yourself complaining at all the things you, you don't have and, and wish you had. So humility is sort of it's a constant reminder to, to consistently be thankful uh, for things. Don't take things for granted. Um, it's a big part of our, our culture in, in New Zealand uh, to make sure you're always keeping your feet on the ground, making sure that you're leaving places, team rooms, changing rooms in just as tidy as they were when you first first walked in, uh, you know, to those changing rooms. So it was a big part of the All Black culture, and it's a big part of the, the New Zealand culture, um, and how I've had to navigate that into to life after rugby's sort of been a challenge. But one thing I learnt around that that gratitude is actually working on it. And so every night uh, in in my book, I'll write three three things that I'm, I'm grateful for. And I might have found myself complaining for the day or not having the best day. And, and before I go to bed, I'm writing three things that I'm grateful for, really simple things, and often repeat them, you know, really uh, grateful for, you know, the health of my children, really grateful for the beautiful sun um, that's shining today, you know, really grateful for the awesome business meeting that I was lucky enough to sit in, really simple things. But it just it constantly reminds you of being grateful for the things that you've got and not moaning about the things you have not so it's uh you know that's a really you know powerful tool that I've had to continue um, in this this life after rugby. And journaling is something that you spoke to us on the last podcast around how you how you've you're pretty diligent at it. And there's a picture that we have of the journal that you wrote before some of your big te- your biggest test matches. And what's particularly interesting to me in it was that you almost acknowledge here some of the negative emotions that you were going through as well. Like you speak about before that, that epic lion's test in 2005, how you were feeling nervous, you were feeling frightened. And that almost flies in the face of this idea that we often assume 
high performers like yourself have got this constant positive thinking, the, the idea that you don't allow negative thoughts in. And yet we see in your journal, that's precisely what you were doing. What did that do for you? There's no point sort of, you know, hiding or blocking out the way that, that you're feeling. You almost need to embrace it, providing you've done the work, the preparation, nerves, nerves are good things in, in my, my opinion. Um, it means you're on the verge of doing something that you really care about. And I was pretty nervous walking onto the stage tonight. But uh, so what I used to do, and, and this is an example of that, is I used to plan my weeks on a Sunday night. I talked about it the last time that, that, that we spoke. I was really regimented with what I wanted to achieve every single day. So I had you know real direction, real structure to help me just go out there and play. But the night before the game, I would write uh, notes uh, like this one here where I'd write about how I'm feeling in that moment and, and not to shy away from, from the emotions that I'm feeling and, and also the way I wanted to feel, just to remind myself to continue breathing, to smile, to have fun. So really simple, clear messages that just would help kind of almost just put a full stop to my week of preparation. Yes. So I knew right after that, I don't need to think. I just need to go out there and play and, and execute and play with freedom because I've done the work. I've dealt with my feelings and and that gave me the confidence to, to be the player that I possibly can be. And when I was kind of going through that transition and wasn't playing rugby anymore and I was a little bit lost and identity, I was like, man, I've, I've forgotten one thing that I used to do that was so important to me and my direction was actually writing in my book. So, I was like, so did gonna- you stop that then? So uh, yeah, for a brief year, brief period, kind of through that transition. And it wasn't until I sort of reminded myself that that was such an important part of, of what I used to do that I wanted to take into this next chapter of my life. So to wipe the old uh, dust off, off my old books. I was like, right, let's, let's get back into it. And it was, it was very different because back then I was writing, you know, things like extra stretching sessions that I needed to do, extra goal kicking sessions that I'd, I'd do outside of our training plan. So one thing that I learned pretty quickly uh, that I, the importance of, of exercise uh, for me, I was lucky enough to be paid for 18 years to, to keep fit and all of a sudden <laughs> Um, now I'm having to, to motivate myself and I knew that I get a bit grumpy and agitated when I, I don't exercise. So I need, I knew I needed that as part of my weekly routine. So I'd, I'd write down my uh, weekly training plan of when I'm going to train just so I can hold myself accountable. I'd also set goals for the week, um, you know, be really decisive in your decision making uh, this week or, um, you know, be you know, actually just enjoy the week. Something really simple, just a goal, and then I'd have three or four really key messages, you know, making sure you're present at work and present at home, making sure that, you you know, you be nice to people this week. So when I'm writing, and then the last piece was the gratitude that I'd write each night. And I was constantly reminding myself of my goals, behaviors that I wanted to to act like throughout the week and then I get to the end of the week and obviously I didn't have a game of rugby to play but I felt like I was able to to earn my beer you know earn my my weekend and, and really sort of enjoy those moments because if I don't have that structure in my life I, I just cruise and, and drift through life and and that's that's not high performance and it's not where I've come from and it's not where I want to to go in in the future so what are you like in your own mind then when you get to the end of a week where you haven't actually 
managed to fulfill what you wrote down in your book or you've perhaps let yourself down or you've fallen short because I think what we always have to be so careful is to sit and have these conversations and I think it's really powerful but there will definitely be people listening who almost feel inferior because they because they aren't like you it almost sounds perfect right and I think that's a dangerous message to give out because no one is I don't achieve what I write every single week right The, the weeks that I do I feel that satisfaction is amazing you know for example you know, the family and I, you know, had you know, got a bit crook, got the flu. I didn't write anything for three weeks. Was I hard on myself at the end of that? No. It's like, okay, you're not perfect. You don't deal with things. But I knew the importance of getting back into into writing that consistency. And it gave me sort of new motivation. Because sometimes in life, it, you know, you don't always have that motivation, but that consistency, that discipline to to stay with it. And so at the end of the week, before I'm about to write the following week, I'll review the week. Why didn't you do what you said you'd do? And and how, how do you do the review? It's it's very general, you know. Even even just kind of ticking across whether you you were present at home. Yeah, there was a there was a pass right. or not quite so very simple. But you know whether you achieved it or not. And if I didn't, for no apparent reason, I'd be quite hard on myself. And I didn't have that satisfaction, but it gave me motivation. Right, well, why? That needs to be a focus of of this week. And then every now and then you'd review it and say, okay, well, this happened, things that you couldn't control. You don't need to beat yourself up in, in moments like that. But as long as you're seeing constant growth, your mindset of wanting to be better than it was before, then as long as you're moving in the right direction, at what pace it's irrelevant. Um, you don't need to to have three months of doing everything that you've achieved to, to, to be successful. But just that discipline of going through that process is, is something that, that I've really found beneficial for me in, in this you know, transitioning out of rugby. There's a lovely phrase you use there about not beating yourself up, and there's a picture that I want to, that you feature in the book that I want to share with you here because I'm interested in you having a look at it and telling me what was going on for you in the moment that this picture, in particular, captures. It's in 2011. There's a few emotions that are going through through my head right now. Looking at this in that moment it was probably one of the hardest moments of of my life, but then now that knowing that that was 12 years ago and what I learned from that moment there has helped me be the person that I am today. So to give people a bit of context uh, around that that photo, it was um, in 2011, uh, that morning, uh, Richie McCaw pulled out uh, of the game. It was the last round robin game of the Rugby World Cup in 2011. It was my third Rugby World Cup, so I thought, right, that's going to be my last Rugby World Cup. of unsuccessful Rugby World Cup in 2003, unsuccessful one in 2007. But the growth that we got from 2007, Rugby World Cup in New Zealand and our own backyard, this is our time, this is, this is our moment. I went into that tournament with such, such confidence. I was at the peak, I was 29 years old, so I was at the peak of, of my career. This is the one. And I'd been a vice captain behind uh, Richie McCall for three years, but I'd never captained the All Blacks. So when I got the phone call from the coaches that morning saying, uh, you're captain, it was a really proud moment. Straight on the phone to my father. He was so proud, you know, big smile. I'm sure he was right, straight booking flights to Wellington to, to come watch the game. Went straight into a press conference, my first ever press conference as uh, as captain. So my, you know, 
chest was out, shoulders were back. It was a pretty proud moment answering uh, answering questions. And then the last training of the the week is the captain's run. Oh, I'm captain. I get to decide what we do at the captain's run. This is pretty cool. Played a bit of touch rugby. Went through a few parts of, uh, of our game plan. It was always really low-key training, 50% speed. And then always finished the captain's run by kicking goals. And I've kicked millions of kicks in my life. But my last kick on, on this day, as I came in and the impact of my boot kicking the ball, I dropped to the ground. And that's, that's what that photo is there. And I knew at that moment that my World Cup dream was over. And what I later found out is I tore my adductor muscle off my pubic bone and we ended up having to quickly race off the field because the media was about to arrive. Um, so didn't want me lying on the ground squealing like a pig apparently. Um, <laughs> that's what uh, a certain coach, uh, Mr. Steve Hansen, d- described, it, described it as. Um, and I r- got raced, raced off to uh, hospital we we had a MRI scan, but I didn't want to know the results. It was it was too devastating for me. Um, so they, do you want to come see the results? I'm like, no, I don't want to. I'm not prepared to to know the answer. Jumped in the car, went back to the hotel, and then halfway on that journey, I asked the the doctor, "Is my World Cup over?" And she said, "Yes." And I burst into tears. Um, went back to the hotel room. I was angry. I was sad. I was. And I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason. But in that moment, around this time, nothing made sense at all. Why me? Why such a serious injury? Why now in the biggest tournament of my life, day out from the game where I was going to captain the All Blacks? So it was a really challenging time. My teammates would come in. They couldn't say a word because there's nothing they could say. It was silence, but just their support was was um, you, know, you know really appreciated. And what I learned through that time was when you have disappointments, setbacks, um, failures, it's really important to, to grieve, to let your emotions out. Don't hide your emotions through through those moments because it would have been far too easy for me just to go, bugger, but I'm a positive guy, I'm going to move on to, you know, to what's next and kind of bullshit yourself a little bit and it'll I guarantee you it would have come back and, and bit me in the ass at some stage in the future. So it's really important learning about sort of dealing with resilience and these setbacks is is to to deal with your emotions. And then I and then I realised well, what is my purpose? You know, in life. That's right. My first test match. I didn't want to be an All Black. I want to be an All Black great. Well, what does an All Black great do in a moment like this? He rehabs his injury better than anyone's rehabbed this injury before. He sets new goals. So I re-signed a new contract with New Zealand Rugby Union for another four years to give myself another crack at one more World Cup. And then actually the team first, one of the values of the All Blacks. What does a team man do in this situation? Well, he gets his ass out, out of his hotel room and actually goes, helps the team. So I did, I realised I had to just park my emotions. And with your emotions, you can either deal with it straight away, um, which I did for 24 hours, but then I knew I needed to flick the switch and, and move on. So it's okay. It's important to grieve, but there needs to be a time that you move on. Because me sulking around the hotel for the next couple of weeks is that's not gonna not gonna help anyone. So I always gave myself a 24-hour period to deal with my emotions. And that's why my wife knew after an injury just to leave me alone for 24 hours. Because I'm not a very nice person to to be around. So I went out and I, I helped the team. We went to our second string number 10. He got injured. 
Um, went to our third string. He got injured till the, the legendary uh, Beaver, Steve Donald, uh, fourth string, who was white baiting at the time, got <laughs> caught into the All Blacks, played a World Cup final, kicked the goal. Incredible story. But, um, but I felt like my duty was <laughs> to, to help these guys, yeah. um, making sure I always put the team first. So there were some huge learnings for me. So when I look at this picture now and the strength that that setback gave me, the determination that that gave me to push forward another four years to help walk towards my purpose, the, the strength that gave me to, to know that I can have these failures, disappointments, setbacks, and know that I can bounce back. And 12 months after that photo, I was, yeah, I was named World Rugby Player of the Year. So to bounce back, you know, so quickly was a really proud moment, whether I deserved it or not. It's probably debatable. I, I don't think I did, but, um, but it was, yeah, to, to kind of move on. So now I'm sitting here looking at that photo in a completely different way to, to that 24 hours after that. So that's why there's so much sadness, disappointment so much trauma when I see that photo, but then to, to realise what happened four yeah. years later in 2015, to be involved in the Rugby World Cup final, help the team make history by being the first team to win back-to-back -back World Cups, be the first All Black side to, to win a World Cup outside of, of New Zealand. Um, a lot of that was, was off the, the learnings that I got from, from that injury there. So all of a sudden, what I believed, things do happen for a reason. That that, that was just you know part of the part of the story. No, I, it's been really interesting to sort of pick up on little moments throughout your career, and I think the great reminder for people in this room is that. People often see someone like you and go, oh, well, you know, you've taken all of these perfect moments in your life and you've managed to turn it into being this great dad, great husband and someone that's found a career after rugby. But actually, you know, we've sat and spoken for the last 50 minutes or so. And actually, the biggest learnings came in the hard times. The, the biggest growth came after the setback. And it's all about the comeback after the setback. And I just think that I'd love to finish this conversation by just seeing where you are at now in your own head as a dad and as a and as a husband and as a friend and just to kind of wrap up just how different life feels for you now you no longer have the rigid life of an all black but in so many ways your life is probably richer now than it's ever been before yeah it is and we had an interesting conversation backstage around jesus you know sports people often go into a mindset oh the, the best days are, are behind me you know, I'm never going to be able to match what I, what I achieved in the, in the sporting field, and and the more you understand that the life is it's different now. There are there are new challenges, there are new ways to to grow, and I had some incredible conversations with a with a friend of mine called uh, Tim Brown. So he was a professional uh, footballer, and then he transitioned out of sport. He was a captain of the the All Whites, the New Zealand uh, soccer team, and and then. He went on to to be a really successful businessman. Um, he founded a shoe company called Allbirds, um, valued at ridiculous amounts of money, listed on the the American Stock Exchange. He had real success, and and what he did, he taught me a really good lesson. And he said, "Look, in life, you you're probably going to have maybe three peaks, and 
your sporting career, that's one peak. And what you achieved there is incredible. Now, far too many people, when they finish, they expect to go into business or their next life at that same level. They're not humble enough to actually go backwards and learn new skills, humble yourself and get back to the start line. And that's exactly how I felt when I finished playing. I was like, this is exciting because I'm back on the start line. I feel like I was at the start of my rugby career, but I've got this wealth of knowledge and experience from my first peak that I'm kind of going backwards. I'm learning new skills, learning a lot about sort of me as a, as a person, um, learning all sorts of new things around sort of businesses and startups that that I've been involved in. But that next peak, it's going to far exceed the, the peak of being a rugby player because I've got all this this knowledge um, in behind me. It's this new type of education that I've learned from you know from playing sport to close to twenty years. So I'm really excited about this next chapter in my life and through this transition, just having that flexibility to be there for. For my family's been important. I'm one of these people that when I commit to something, I'm all in. And that's how I was with my All Black career. And it's even hard me saying this, that at times I actually had to put my family second um, to, the, to the journey that I, and things that I wanted, wanted to achieve. And, and now that I'm able to do school drop-offs, I'm, I'm coaching my second son, Fox's uh, rugby team, and, and just seeing the, their development and, and their growth and and I'm even refereeing some of his games, and I can assure you, all, all the parents on the sideline just shut up. It's amazing. He's, he's eight, so normally they're chirping the referees. Mate, but... Imagine being eight years old and Dan Carter's coaching your team. <laughs> Imagine being in the opposition when Dan Carter's so good. Oh, no, the, the beauty is that at that age, they don't know about my career because they're too young. So I rock up to school, and they're like, man, Fox, your, your dad is so cool. And it, he's thinking, oh, why? And I'm like, oh, because he's a YouTuber. And my son's like, what? He goes, he's retired from rugby and, and now we watch him on YouTube, all his highlights. So he's, he's a YouTuber. So all of a sudden I'm a really cool dad because they think I'm a YouTuber now that I'm not playing <laughs> rugby anymore because they can see me on YouTube. So That amazing career and you've been reduced to an influencer. <laughs> exactly. That's, uh, that's what happens. Listen, that has been such an interesting conversation. Um, thank you so much for opening up, for sharing so much with us, for writing the book that you've written. I'm so pleased that you know we were able to fill this theatre this evening, that people were able just to spend an hour in your company to read the book is one thing, but to hear you talk about it in such an authentic and honest and humble way. And I, let me just be totally clear, okay? Sometimes you do these things and you sit on stage and someone tells you all of these lovely things and you think, well, I don't believe what you say because I see what you do. <laughs> I saw your behavior backstage. Backstage with you, the conversations we've had before today, how you've been with the team, you are absolutely everything that you say you are. And that's actually a rare quality. So on behalf of everyone in the theater and everyone on high performance, thank you so much, Dan Carter. Thank you. Appreciate it, thanks. Thank you. Damien. Jake. It was a real pleasure to be um, in the Hackney Empire that evening speaking to Dan Carter. You know, it's one thing sitting and having a one-to-one -one conversation like this. It's something very different in a big theatre. And I'll be honest, I was really worried that, you know, maybe Dan wouldn't be free to be himself or talk in a really honest way or that he might sort of play up to the crowd, if you like. But I almost think that we saw more from him because of the crowd in there. And he's a man who spent his whole life having to deliver his best performances in front of an audience and I think he did that.
Yeah, that's a really good point. I, there was a moment during the interview where I I sort of allowed myself to tune out and instead tune into to what was happening around us. You know, it's an immense privilege to have been sat in a room with a thousand other people listening to a genuine game changer like Dan talk so openly and candidly. So it was just a moment of gratitude for myself. And I think that was one of the things that I was learning almost by osmosis from from Dan of sometimes just be in the moment. Don't be thinking about the next question or thinking about what's just been said. Just to allow yourself to be in the moment is a really powerful, um, a really powerful lesson. And I think that was the one thing I'd encourage anyone to take away from this is be where you are, not where you wish you were or where you've been previously. Just be in the moment you're in. And I love the idea that, you know, high performance isn't a period in your life. High performance is something that stays with you throughout. So he might not be a professional rugby player anymore, but he's still living his life in a high performance way. I mean, the fact that he wanted to, you know, the way he spoke to the team before we did the event, he wanted to know how's it going to run? Where's it going to be? What are the questions like? What's the venue like? How many people? What's the layout on the stage? Right, He arrives early. He says hello to everybody. He eats a really healthy lunch. He then makes sure he comes and does a full rehearsal. He then hung around backstage afterwards, which he didn't need to do, by the way, to speak to all of the people who wanted to meet him. He then came upstairs for a beer and he spoke a bit further and he signed some rugby shirts for a local rugby club. Like, the entire process of working with him was high performance. And Dan, from the minute we met him till the minute he said goodbye and got in his cab and headed back off into central London was the epitome of high performance. Yeah, I think that's a really nice light to shine on him because I, I think people could listen to the interview, but we had the we were lucky enough to spend the time with him as well backstage and I'll really che- treasure when we just sat and shared a few beers and he told us some stories uh, relating to his own career and his own superstardom and how he's just so down to earth. I I think what people have seen is an ordinary man with an extraordinary talent, and I think that is high performance in its own right. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Thank you, mate. So there you go. Episode 200 of the High Performance Podcast, recorded live in front of an audience at the Hackney Empire. Thank you so much for listening. Dan, thank you so much for coming to the UK to do that with us. And don't forget Dan's book, The Art of Winning, is out now. And trust me, it's well worth a read. But once we'd finished the conversation with Dan, we had a Q&A with the audience. It was great fun, actually. We had these microphones shaped as rugby balls. Dan was throwing them around inside the theatre. People were asking questions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, and here's a little taste of what went on, because as well as questions from the audience, we also had some special guests asking Dan a question, including this one from his dad. Yes, Dan, why did you leave it to the last um, test as a uh, international player playing for the All Blacks um, to show us that you could kick with your right foot after all the practice that we've done at home during those uh, young ages to uh, make sure that you could kick with both feet but uh, I dare say you've got a special reason why you left it to that very very last kick but uh, I knew it was coming so it was a pretty proud moment. And that Q&A is available right now on the High Performance app. Um, If you would love to enjoy that exclusive content, then all you need to do is either click the link in the description to this podcast or go to the App Store and search for High Performance. Then use your unique code HPAPP. That's H-P-A-P-P. And you can hear our Q&A with Dan Carter inside the Hackney Empire. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon. 